folks, welcome to Galsplained. The podcast where two best gals explain anything and everything to each other better than any man ever has. This week, we're diving into that persistent feeling of inadequacy despite logic or success, the pesky imposter syndrome. Yeah, you could Google it, but isn't it more fun to learn it from a friend? I'm Michelle. And I'm Claire. Michelle, I wanted to show off something to you before we started. Okay, okay, show it off to me, even though uh, our viewers can't see it. I'll uh, describe it to our audience. It says, podcasts are my therapy on a mug. This was a delayed Christmas gift from Jeff's family, from Jeff's parents. So I thought it was so cute. Aw, what's the little design above therapy? It's got like a little little set of headphones. Oh, that's so cute. That'll have to be an Insta post so our viewers can see how sweet it looks. Yeah, I love mugs. Everybody knows me. <laughs> no, you got two mugs for Christmas. I know. And this, you know, shipping was crazy because of everything going on in the world. So this was like a lovely delayed Christmas gift. But it was actually very nice because it was just when like the thrill of getting all your gifts at the holidays kind of wears off no that's how i felt about getting your necklace last week it was like i don't mind getting gifts late because then you get a gift when you're not expecting it that's the best kind of gift oh it's so nice well michelle last week we talked about uh, the gift to america driver's license (laughs) (laughs) okay so before we talked about driver's license by olivia rodrigo um if none of you have ever heard it you should try it out uh at that point it's a song um, it's not actually driving your car and getting a driver's license. Mom, if you're listening, it's a song. <laughs> um, we talked about it last week. I'd only listened to it once. It is a very pop song. I probably listened to it like while going to work while I wanted to listen to my normal music and was like, okay, I just have to get it over with. And it was fine. And I still believe it's a fine pop song. It's fine. But like I did while, when, we were, when I was uh, editing the episode for this week. Uh, which for you the previous week I was listening to have that conversation I was like you know what I will give it another shot and I put on my headphones and I closed my eyes and yeah it slaps it slaps yes it slaps when you're just like (laughs) listening to it and that that bridge with the 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 (sighs) I mean that's all over TikTok and for so long that was the only part I had heard But, oh my gosh, the part before that, when she's like, I know we're not perfect, but I've never felt this way for no one. I'm like, oh, rips Mm -hmm. my heart apart. Her voice is also just so pretty, but I watched the music video after I, like, just listened to it with my eyes closed. She does not look like I thought she did. Like, she's so little and young. Yeah, she's 17. She looks like a baby. I'm like, how are you talking about all this stuff? I know. I it's I think it's fun like as a 20 something listening to music that's coming from the emotion of a 17-year-old because that is like the most raw unfiltered emotion I think at any age that you have is when you're a teenager and you're going through like she in the song she really believes that like she'll never get over this and I remember that feeling in high school. Girl, you'll be fine. <laughs> I know if you're listening Olivia you're gonna be all right <laughs> if you're listening Olivia <laughs> well yeah so I definitely apologize for being so uh 
disliked. I, I seemed like I didn't like it last week. It's fine. It's still fine. But definitely give it a shot if you haven't yet. Like we talked about last week, it's speaking to a whole new generation. Like all my students that I teach that are in high school, they are, it speaks to them deeply. I played Harry Styles one week when they were coming in and I love Harry Styles. And they were like, oh yeah, he's good. And then I played driver's license the next week and they were like, because <gasps> it's, it's their age. It's like what's speaking to them. That's so wild to me. Harry Styles is an in. You know, it's good. It's a good thing that he's so talented. But I'm sure sometimes even he (laughs) as a celebrity feels like he's not good enough. You know what I mean? I I guess we should talk about our topic for today in that very smoothe, very subtle segue. (laughs) (laughs) I just am really interested to know what that would be called if a certain person felt like they weren't right for a job. Well, Michelle, I want to tell you that that's actually called imposter syndrome. What? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> okay. To okay, drop okay, our okay. act. Um, and to fill all of you in, if you're like, what the heck is imposter syndrome? We'll dive deep as we go uh, kind of further in today. But just to give you like the very high level basic intro, imposter syndrome is a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. So even though you're successful, even though you're qualified, you feel inadequate, you feel like an imposter. And these imposters suffer from self-doubt, a sense of being a fraud, and all of those feelings override any feelings of success or any external proof uh, of their competence. Also, uh, the imposter syndrome is actually less of a syndrome than it is a phenomenon because it is actually not a diagnosable mental disorder. It's not even listed in the DSM, which is, uh, if you don't know what that is, it's an abbreviation for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental (laughs) Disorders, a very fascinating read. (laughs) Yeah, it's not an actual syndrome. It's just the word for it, like the cultural kind of, you said, phenomenon. Yeah, it's more of a phenomenon, but people call it a syndrome. Right. And I think before we dive even more into it, I want to talk about our own like personal experiences with it. And maybe like the first time you heard the word or associated with it. Do you do you remember any experience with it in the past? Yeah, I mean, as I've talked about in past episodes, I've dealt with a good amount of anxiety in my life. And usually imposter syndrome accompanies that. So I know like I... Um, when I was in college, I went to school just like uh, Claire for uh, acting degree. And when I got into the program, I felt an immense amount of imposter syndrome. And it was honestly really debilitating to feel like I wasn't right to be there or I, I was a fraud. It was a constant fear of mine that people were finding me out or thinking of, thinking it about me, you know? And I'm sure everyone in the room with you is feeling the same way about themselves, which is crazy to think about now. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's weird. I feel like uh, this is a big thing, a big fear a lot of people maybe have. But like for everyone, like like I I didn't want to talk about it because when you admit it, then they know that you think it and then it becomes real. Well, and especially in performing arts, when so much of performing arts is based on confidence and carrying yourself a certain way, and that can really be in uh, conservatory-style learning, that 
can be a culture that kind of washes over everyone and you don't want to be the person that sticks out as being like, what are we doing? What am I doing? Am I right yeah. to be here? Yeah. I feel like also when you're so young, like you don't have um, that, like just out of high school, you know, you don't have much confidence yet. And like, you don't really even know where you're going in life. So at that point in life, you're just like so questioning of yourself and everything else in the world that it's like, no wonder. Yeah. I think my first experience with imposter syndrome was uh, when I was in college over the summer, I started working at a hotel at the front desk and our uniform was like this suit, like this lady's like suit, like a blazer and like a little ascot and <laughs> pants and People would come up to me and, like, ask me, um, you know, how long I had lived in the area. What was my recommendation on where to eat? And just, like, assume I was an adult and I was 19 years old. And while technically I was an adult, I just didn't feel like one. So I specifically remember we got this van, this, like, big shuttle bus van that when no one else was there to drive it, I had to drive it. And I remember I'm like in my suit rolling up to like drive this 16 passenger van. And I took a Snapchat of myself in the front seat. And my caption of my Snapchat was baby in a suit because I literally felt like a child in a suit driving a van. And that was my first like feeling of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Somebody's going to find me out. They're going to ask me a question and be like, oh, she's only 19 years old. I'm not going to trust her. And obviously that never happened, but that was my first experience with it um, that I remember like looking it up and being like, oh, all right. Yeah. I feel like that transition between like 18 to like 20 years old is so weird because you're like in the adult world technically but you really don't feel like an adult yet you feel like a kid (laughs) still yeah or at least I did in some ways you know at least a little bit it's actually really interesting to hear you talk about that and then like think about when I've talked about things like that in my same way, if when I hear you as my friend talk about it, I'm like, okay, but that's amazing that you're so smart and talented and amazing that you were that young able to achieve that. Like that's you and that shows off your hard work and your talent and all that stuff um, rather than, you know, falling into it. It's not like you fell into that achievement. You know what I mean? So it's so funny to hear you say that and then think like, oh, well, I was just saying a very similar thing like a minute ago. So maybe, yeah, it's it's more about like just rewiring our brain and like seeing how the kind of the disconnect, you know? Yeah. Reminding ourselves that like we work really hard to get to where we are And I think that this is really interesting. I know a lot of our listeners are around our age, young females, and I think it's interesting to think about how much imposter syndrome specifically undermines young, talented women. Well, yeah, because originally they thought that only women had this issue. They thought this this was a unique problem to women to suffer imposter syndrome. Um, So originally imposter syndrome was actually only a phenomenon, as we talked about, discovered by Dr. Suzanne Imes and Dr. Pauline Rose Clance. And this was only in the 1970s when this was discovered by them. They thought that basically it's really hard to figure out if people have this experience because, I mean, like I was talking about earlier, like 
I personally would never want to talk about it. Like people don't want to be found out as someone who's having issues when they're in this position because a lot of factors that lead to people having imposter syndrome or imposter phenomena is having a perfectionist sort of background, like having a ambitious family background that always is like prioritizing some sort of achievements as the end goal and the be all for everything in life. And so if a person is hardwired to constantly achieving and constantly being perfect, you know, they're not gonna say if there's something bothering them to make them feel unperfect, you know? Yeah, I I feel like for perfectionists, especially, and I am one for sure, any small mistake makes them question or undermine like their own competence. Anytime I do something wrong, I'm like, why did I do this wrong? Like, what does this mean for me? Uh, and I think for a lot of perfectionists, success itself is like rarely satisfying. And mm-hmm. every, I mean, we're always thinking about what could we do better, which is not really healthy or productive. A lot of research about imposter syndrome says, uh, I, I think imposter syndrome, a, a lot of my research showed that it actually does affect over 70% of women at some point throughout their careers, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah, and I totally feel like that makes sense, especially if women are inside of male, usually male-occupied positions or a workplace where it's mostly male. Like, I have doubted myself whenever I'm in those positions, you know? Yeah, and I think talking about, so, you know, we're talking about what imposter syndrome is and where it comes from, but I think Talking about why it matters is really important, too. And I think it matters because it it undermines all these very highly talented women. So I did some research about this. And if you suffer with imposter syndrome and you don't find a way to get over it, to get through it, it pushes these women to stay under the radar, avoid leadership roles, avoid promotion, speaking opportunities, and more. It pushes them to stay stuck in roles in which they're overqualified for. Mm -hmm. They don't realize their full potential or make their fullest contribution. They experience that self-doubt, self-criticism, low confidence, and self-worth. And then they suffer exhausting cycles of procrastination and overwork, and they can experience increased stress and, and burnout. And so it's really important to tackle this imposter syndrome at where it comes from. I think the first step, which we'll talk a little bit more about it later, is realizing that you belong where you are. You did not get there through dumb luck. And I mean, just in general, especially for the men in this uh, audience, I know that you all definitely experience imposter syndrome, too, because uh, America in general is notorious for having this ambitiousness and this constantly... Uh, achieving some level of productiveness Uh, like we have this as a a problem in our society I know when I went to like Wales to study abroad (laughs) I know I talk about that never on this podcast but seriously when I like didn't live in America for six months and then I came back it was like a full 180 like I just felt so much more like at rest when I wasn't out in America um but when I was like gone out of here I was like wow, I can just look at the hills and the rolling green grass and like just not have any worries in life. (laughs) (laughs) But alas, uh, America throws it at you hard. Yeah, this feeling of like constantly underperforming and like we need to be 
be doing better, be doing something else. I think college really stirred that up in me as well, where I went to school, which I adore Elon dearly. If you weren't in like five clubs and you weren't like busy after classes every day, like you were doing something wrong. It, it People wear stress in college like a badge of pride mm-hmm. and it is so unhealthy and can really turn into the imposter syndrome when you graduate, when you're out in the working world and you feel like you're not doing enough. You feel like you're not being enough. You feel like if you say no to a project at work or you ask for something at work that you're not qualified for that. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember the fact that this isn't a mental disorder, right? It comes along with mental illnesses and disorders a lot of the time. But like, you can be a totally neurotypical, totally like easygoing person and feel this, you know, this is just like, a normal, valid feeling that a lot of people feel. And like, we're not here to diagnose you because obviously this isn't what that is. So I think it's just like a way to like, rework your brain when you realize you're feeling a certain way, you know? Yeah. Well, Michelle, I think before we get into sharing some more personal and celebrity stories about imposter syndrome and then how to move past it, we should take a little brief break. Yeah, let's go on ahead and take a recess. It's time for recess. I wanted to say it this week because I realized you say that every week, Michelle. I do. Did you know that? You're always like, it's recess time. Here we are. (laughs) Welcome back to another recess. I actually (laughs) did notice that. And I noticed, I think last week you changed it up as well. And it kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that's my thing. Well, what can I say? Um, I'm the queen of segues. It's my thing. Big changes only. Power moves only. (laughs) You know this is an Aries podcast when we're stepping on each other's toes. No, no. Well, we took to our Instagram to ask you some questions, like always, about uh, your opinions on last week's episode, which was the food that puts you in the mood, aphrodisiacs. So at the beginning of that episode, we talked about food mood in general, and I uh, quoted on our Instagram, we've got popcorn is to the movies, you know, hot dogs, baseball games, green smoothie with workout. I equate fireball with college. So we asked you all, uh, what are some of your food associations? Any stand out to you? We got some really funny answers. I think there's some great ones here. I see uh, one person actually called you out and said that chicken reminds them of you. And I just need to know what that means, Claire. Uh, That is one of uh, someone that's known me my entire life. And um, it's my cousin. And uh, Nora knows that I always have loved chicken. People used to ask me my favorite food. I would say chicken. chicken? Just like a chicken breast, rotisserie chicken, chicken nuggets. I love chicken nuggets, chicken fingers, chicken breast. I just, you know, can't go wrong with chicken. But I do think it's funny, like, when you know someone so well, you see a certain food and it reminds you of them yes i also really like the um 
the wine equals girls night, I think that kind of goes along with that. Like I have some certain friends where I'm like, oh, I'm going to have rosé with this friend because we always watch Bachelor together. And that that has to happen because we're watching Bachelor tonight with this friend, you know? Yes. I think that that's really interesting, like having a tradition centered around food. Another tradition somebody had on here was chicken parm equals Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. I wonder why that is, because of the red sauce and the Italianness of it being romantic. I don't know. And like, how many years do you do something in a row for your brain to (laughs) equate it with that day? Like, how many Valentines did you have chicken parm that it became a tradition? And can chicken parm not be eaten on any other day but Valentine's Day? And do they cut it in the shape of a heart? They better. I mean, I guess you'd have to cut it before (laughs) you fry it, right? Uh, Whoever sent in this response, we need answers and we need them fast. So please. (laughs) I don't think we'll ever get it out of that girl. (laughs) (laughs) And one more that really stood out to me, which how could I not think of this? Fast food equals road trips. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I said this in the episode itself, but that's a McDonald's one for me. I just feel like I have so many associations with McDonald's. It's uh, a surprise that I'm still alive to this day. Well, in <laughs> high school, we we were right down the street from a Wendy's. Oh, yeah. And do you remember how often we went there? Well, we went there so often. Where we lived, there were these, like, coupon books for Frosties. And so we all had coupons books to basically get free Frosties constantly. I don't even honestly remember the last time it I was, went to a Wendy's in, like, now life. But we went there too But much. it was ridiculous. We would get this coupon book for Frosties and it would be like the teeny tiny Frosties and it would be like buy this coupon book for $5 and every time you come in that teeny tiny Frosty is only a quarter or something like that. Yeah, it was a ridiculous deal. And then we also did, before we forget, we did have a poll kind of thing asking you what puts you in the mood. Our options were sweets, fish, Mediterranean and alcohol like Mediterranean food, because last week we talked about how Mediterranean food can be an aphrodisiac. And uh, which one won out, Claire? Well, it was actually really interesting because I thought a lot of people would pick fish because, you know, you think of like oysters and all of that is and like sushi the aphrodisiac that and, I feel like yeah. I knew about. Yeah, no one picked that one. No we one. had a tie between sweets and Mediterranean for second. And then, of course, alcohol won. What does this say about our viewers? And I even put a question mark after alcohol. Which that one is the most surpre- <laughs> like, I get it. I do. I get why that one would win. But I feel like alcohol also definitely hurts the mood sometimes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So we did talk about that. that, All right, viewers, that's interesting. (laughs) Well, we just talked about what can get you in touch with your body. But let's talk about how to get in touch with your mind for the rest of our episode. Imposter syndrome. Here we go. (laughs) Good job, Claire. Welcome back from recess, folks. We just wanted to make you feel a little better about um, all your imposter syndromes because being an imposter isn't always fun as it is when you play Among Us. 
for all the folks out there who play <laughs> Among Us. Uh, Wait, that's, <laughs> that's actually a little so joke funny. For you. <laughs> you are the imposter. It's not that cool. But a lot of your favorite celebrities have uh, experienced this imposter syndrome. And I gathered together a couple quotes from them to show you just how common it is to feel this way. Because I felt like when I looked this up, they all said the same thing. And they all said the same thing that we were saying, too, at the beginning of this podcast, where I'm like, we're frauds, all this stuff. I remember the first time I opened the discussion about this with some friends, uh, like when we had all first started our careers, we were like, do you feel this way? Do you feel this way? And it turned from this like shameful conversation to, yes, we all feel this way. Yes, we're all validating each other. Yes, like it's valid that we feel this way, but we have to move past it. So I think open open up, talk to your friends about it, and listen to these celebrities talk about it. Yeah. Um, So uh, Lupita Nyong'o actually said to Time Out in 2016, she said, I go through acute imposter syndrome with every role. I think winning an Oscar may in fact have made it worse. Now I've achieved this, what am I going to do next? What do I strive for? Then I remembered that I didn't get into acting for the accolades. I got into it for the joy of telling stories. So right there, she's showing like a lot of things that we just talked about earlier before recess with the fact that she's achieved something. Now, how does she keep achieving? You know, how does she keep feeling like she's perfect, like she's doing everything, like she's a superwoman, you know? Um, It's Mm -hmm. that constantly needing to show that you're not a fraud. Yeah. And just like that, talking about frauds, here's a little uh, male perspective in here. Tom Hanks said to a podcast called Fresh Air in 2016, he said, no matter what we've done, there comes a point where you think, how did I get here? When are they going to discover that I am, in fact, a fraud and take everything away from me? Tom Hanks! Oof. America's sweetheart. I mean, stars, they're just like us. Yeah. And the biggest one of all, in my opinion, Meryl Streep said to USA Weekend in 2002, she said, you think, why would anyone want to see me again in a movie? And I don't know how to act anyway. So why am I doing this? Meryl Streep said that. So you know that that's just the mind playing tricks on you. Even Meryl Streep's brain is telling her that she doesn't know how to act. I think that's so valid. I love hearing that the stars are just like us because it it puts in perspective, like if Tom Hanks can walk onto a movie set and be like, oh God, everybody's going to find out I'm a fraud. And I feel that way when I walk into like a networking event or into the office or into a job interview. I found that friends that have struggled with imposter syndrome going into a job interview, that can be like the worst time for it to hit you. Because you don't talk yourself up. You're just so nervous. You're going into an audition or whatever it is. Yeah. You really, uh, it, it's all about figuring out how to balance it out. Yeah. I reached out to a few friends about this that I've talked with uh, about this before. And I'm going to keep them anonymous. Um, but I thought it was really interesting to share some personal stories from people around our age just about how they felt. So I'm going to change like the specifics of if they mention like specifically what they do, I'll just make it a little bit more general or if they mention their specific company. Um, but I think it's I think it's interesting. So one of my friends said, 
in my job at blank, (laughs) and one of my friends said, when I first started working as a blank, I had pretty bad imposter syndrome. For a while, when I first started, it was my first full, real full-time job in this arena. And I was the first person with this job at the company. When I began creating the content I was hired to do, I was constantly anxious over whether or not my coworkers and clients would like them or over whether they hired, they'd think hiring me was a mistake because I was too inexperienced. After some validation from a new manager, I felt a little better, but the whole time I was there, I never really settled in or felt like I belonged as much as I wanted to. Wow. Yeah, I felt that a lot, though, in a lot of jobs where I'm like, it, it doesn't even matter how much someone validates you sometimes. It's just constantly that, like, nagging voice in the background. Yeah, and you can never really settle in. You can never really, like, relax. Um, I, I actually have something friend didn't send this to me, but she said it to me a while ago. She is an English teacher and she is pursuing her master's in literature. And it was so funny because she was talking to me about getting a tattoo of a quote by one of her favorite authors. And she was like, oh yeah, like I thought, you know, what if people see this tattoo and think like, oh God, she's such a poser. And we had to sit there and be like, you're literally an English teacher and you're getting your master's in literature. You are not a poser <laughs> if you get a tattoo of a quote. Yeah, like what? Right? But it just seeps into your brain all the time. No, I feel that. I especially felt that way in the theater world. Um, if friends were talking about like, let's say everybody was talking about a play that they really liked in class. Even if I really liked it and felt like I knew a lot about it, I would always be like, well, this person knows more. Well, this person has more experience with it. So maybe I shouldn't say anything. And that actually leads into my last story that I picked from a friend. So my friend said, I've really, I felt really impostery during my time in grad school. Uh, It's really crazy how smart some of my classmates are and how we're all at really different points in our career and life. And I think that's interesting because any office setting, you're going to be at different points in your career and in your life. And then she said, I'm in class with people who have been in their career path for 25 years. One guy is a lawyer. Another is ex-military. Some are published writers. And I'm like, what do I even have to contribute to this conversation? And then she says, but I do. I think I just need to be more confident in knowing that everyone brings a unique perspective to the table and that living more life doesn't necessarily make you more qualified for certain things. Mm -hmm, That's absolutely true. And that gets into talking about how to overcome imposter syndrome, the last piece of the puzzle. Yes, we need this part. No more sadness. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, some quick and easy ways to overcome imposter syndrome. Uh, I, it's an article in Forbes called Four Ways to Overcome Imposter Syndrome, but there are so many ways to overcome it. This article talks about how practice makes perfect and the only way to never have imposter syndrome is to never grow. So you just have to grow through it. Yeah. Like don't it's let inevitable. These, yeah. Don't let these new levels of life be scary. We get good by practicing moving through things. 
Uh, so spend time practicing new skills, even if you haven't mastered them and they make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Another thing this article talks about is comparing yourself only to yourself. So instead of comparing yourself to everyone around you, compare yourself to where you were a year ago, where you were a few years ago. Uh, and, and don't just look at your on the surface accolades. Look at how you feel about yourself, how you communicate with others which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I recently have tried like journaling a lot and like adding in my journal. Well, I've been journaling for a while, but like on and off. Um, and I feel like journaling and like looking back on how I felt about myself a while ago and how I look at myself in my life now, it's just constantly changing like how we view life. And like, it's easy to look back at yourself a year before and be embarrassed by yourself. But like, you just have to remember like, okay, then what am I going to be thinking a year from now? Like, I'll probably be embarrassed again or like reworking it to be less embarrassed and more like, oh, I've, I've changed a lot. Like I've matured a lot. Like I've learned this skill. I've, it's just like, I'm a new, I'm a new, a new place on my journey, essentially. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to get through imposter syndrome. And I think one of them is quotes. I have like probably 30 very self-helpy quotes, uh, <laughs> which I can share some of them on our Instagram. I will just pick out one or two to share now. Uh, but I think that it's really important, whatever you associate with best to move through things. So me, quotes really speak to me. Other people, I can recommend a great TED Talk by Amy Cuddy called Fake It Till You Make It. Uh, it's an amazing TED Talk all about imposter syndrome. There's some great books about this. Uh, everybody loves that Rachel Hollis book, Girl, Wash Your Face. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, if you're looking for anything to read. And then a quote I wanted to kind of wrap this up with before we get into a Yahoo question uh, <laughs> is a quote by Marie Curie. And she says, life is not easy for any of us. But what of that? We must have perseverance and above all confidence in ourselves. We must believe that we are gifted for something and that thing at whatever cost must be attained. Oh, yes. I love that. Well, thank you for that quote, Marie Curie. We miss you. But now we're going to get into our little fun end to our podcast. Usually Claire does her Google questions, but here I decided to do Yahoo Answers, <laughs> like the alter egos of each other. Um, <clears throat> so in Yahoo Answers, I just searched uh, imposter syndrome. And literally, like one of the first things to come up was this question. And I thought it was cute. Um, it's very astrology based. So for y'all who don't like astrology, you can just get a laugh out of this because it's just really funnily written. It was written like seven years ago. So <laughs> and it's probably like a kid who wrote it. So here we go. Anonymous asked in entertainment and music, specifically the horoscopes portion, <laughs> they said, do you Saturnian Capricorns and Aquarians often feel an imposter syndrome? Like you don't belong on this planet and just want to escape to Saturn? Smiley face. Is this Saturn a beneficial planet? LOL? Question mark. Smiley face. <laughs> I have Uranus in me, so I still feel a bit attached to the ground. But how do caps feel? Um, so to decode this question for you all that, who don't understand <laughs> astrology, basically planets rule different um, like 
astrological signs and astrological signs would be like Capricorn and Aquarius, right? Um, so Saturn rules over Capricorn and Aquarius. Makes sense? Yes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're basically asking like, oh, do people who have Saturnian signs feel imposter syndrome often? Because this person's saying they feel it often. But they also say that Uranus rules a lot of their chart as well, I guess, with other signs that they have in their chart. So like they're wondering if maybe it's a Uranus thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the favorite answer was from the science gal seven years ago. She said, um, which thanks the science gal. She was gal-splaining before we were. Look at her. Uh, she said, I've Saturn in Aquarius, Uranus in Capricorn. Uranus is my dominant. Saturn is my second or third dominant. Not too sure which, which I guess basically means oh, they have a lot of that in their chart. And they said, and yes, I feel like that a lot, which is why I refer to myself as an alien and keep wishing that I would get abducted by aliens sometime <laughs> soon. And I just want to say she got four likes, but three dislikes on that. So a lot of people don't like that she wanted to be abducted by aliens. I don't know. It was a little split. We talked about <laughs> imposter syndrome on this planet. They were like, I don't feel like I belong on the planet. I, my favorite answer to this is someone named Hold Your Applause, Please, seven years ago said, um, no. <laughs> like, this little, was a whole debate. That's a little how I feel. <laughs> um, no. No. I love you, astrology people. I'm not hating. I just thought that was a cute question. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny that imposter syndrome was taken to the next level. Mm-hmm. The next astral level. <laughs> Anyways, that's about it for today. But we still have some things we can show you on our Instagram and Twitter at Pod. So follow us there to get notifications and to see it pop up on your dashboard. Some of our mug photos, some of our other stuff. And our questions like the one Claire's about to tell you. Yeah. So I would like to hear from all of you. Uh, when have you experienced imposter syndrome? We want to hear your stories. They might be featured on next week's episode. And then just what are some things that you do to boost your self-confidence? Uh, do you write a quote on your bathroom mirror? Uh, do you listen to a mindful meditation every morning? Or do you... I don't know. I used to listen to Lizzo. I've said this before. I used to listen to Lizzo before I went into networking events. So what do you do to boost your self-confidence? Yep. And remember, folks, to uh, rate and review us if you have us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe for that quick notification for our next episode. We put one out every Thursday at eight in the morning, Eastern time. We'll see you next time. 